1: How did these guys do it? How did they do this? Change the world upside down. They did it because they were filled with the Holy Spirit. They did it because they waited for the Lord. They obeyed the Lord's command. They waited and they were filled to overflowing with the Holy Spirit. It was the transforming power of the Holy Spirit in their lives. It changed a coward Peter into a triumphant winner of souls for the Lord Jesus Christ. It changed Stephen from a waiter of tables to someone who would die professing Jesus Christ in his life. You can't do that in the flesh.
0: There are many founding fathers of our faith whose stories are written all throughout Scripture. Today, Pastor Dave shares that the reason why they're able to be bold is because they had the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gave them courage when they needed it most. You can have that same courage if you trust Jesus. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of Acts chapter 1 as he continues his message, Promise of the Father.
1: Witnessing is not necessarily evangelizing. You can be a witness and not an evangelist. Think about that. Your life can be witnessing to somebody the love of Jesus Christ, the testimony of Jesus Christ in their lives. Their heart is changed. Their heart is weakened and surrounded by the Holy Spirit. They are convicted, and then an evangelist comes along, and boom, they're saved. You don't have to do the same thing. You've been given the power of the Holy Spirit to be witnesses of him. If the Lord gives you the gift of evangelism, praise God. Praise God. But so many times what we want to do is we want to take the Bible with us and says, come here, i got something for you. Grab him by the hand and go, accept the Lord. We're to be witnesses of God's love. We're to be witnesses of his love in us. Our lives demonstrate that witness on a constant basis, and you cannot do it without the power of the Holy Spirit. You cannot be witnesses of God without the power of the Holy Spirit. You cannot do this. Let's continue. The second word we want to look at is the word dunamis in the Greek. It means power. The Holy Spirit is going to come upon you with power. And this word is dunamis. And it means an explosive power or a miraculous special power that's going to come upon you. This word is from the root word dunamai, which means to be able to or to be possible. In other words, without this power, it's impossible to be a witness for Jesus Christ. That's what this is saying. If you don't have this power of the Holy Spirit, it is impossible to be the witness that Christ wants you to be. This dunamis that we're talking about means this explosive power, and it's the word that we get our word dynamite from, or dynamo. He's a real dynamo. It's also used in Acts 10, verse 38. In Acts 10, verse 38, it said, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Dunamis, the dunamis power. This is no ordinary power, it's an enabling power, an enabling power. The Holy Spirit enables us to be witnesses for Jesus. He enables us to be servants of the Most High God. He enables us to turn the hearts of others towards Him through our witness. And you notice I've never said through our words once. Sometimes the most important witness that you have is the life you live in front of people. I don't know how many times I use St. Augustine's wonderful, wonderful quote, but he said, I spent 40 years witnessing the love of Jesus Christ to other people, and sometimes I opened my mouth. It's your life that speaks volumes to people. Paul says your lives are epistles written on the heart of men. They look at your life, they go, Man, I knew that guy when he was crazy. Now he's crazy for Jesus. Something different. And they see that. And they're drawn to that because Jesus is being exemplified. Jesus is being glorified in your life, and you're raising Jesus Christ up. And what did I say? If Christ be lifted up, he will draw men to him, all men, the Scripture says. So what's your job? To demonstrate Jesus Christ, to be his witness, to be his witness. The entire book of Acts is about the witnesses of Jesus Christ. As we're going to move through the book of Acts, we're going to see witness after witness after witness of Jesus Christ. Why? Because they were empowered by God's Holy Spirit. They were empowered by the Holy Spirit of God, and they became these witnesses throughout the world, through the entire world. It's the power that enables us to live the Christian life the way God has meant us to live the Christian life, with power. You cannot live the Christian life without it. If you do, you will fail time and time and time and time and time again. You need this power. It's available for you. And if God wants you to have it, why shouldn't you want it? Why should you not want it? This is a transforming power. It's a transforming power. And now we've come full circle, folks, because I asked you the question, how did these guys do it? How did they do this with change the world upside down? They did it. Because they were filled with the Holy Spirit. They did it because they waited for the Lord. They obeyed the Lord's command. They waited and they were filled to overflowing with the Holy Spirit. It was the transforming power of the Holy Spirit in their lives. It changed a coward Peter into a triumphant winner of souls for the Lord Jesus Christ. It changed Stephen from a waiter of tables to someone who would die professing Jesus Christ in his life. You can't do that in the flesh, you can't do that by yourself. You need to have power, and that power can only come from God's Holy Spirit. It can only come from the Holy Spirit indwelling you, being in your life, filling you to overflowingness. The power given to us through the baptism of the Holy Spirit is a transforming power. The same power transferred the Apostle Peter from a hot-headed, quick-tempered man into a sure-footed, quick-thinking instrument ready for the Master to use. This transforming power... Took all these ordinary men, all these ordinary women from the individuals who were afraid and hiding in a group to wherever they went, they preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. The same people, the same people who were cowering together in that upper room. They were worried. They were cowering. They didn't know what was going to happen to them. It took that group of people and empowered them by the Holy Spirit and they changed the world, folks. They changed the world. And they lacked every advantage that we have. And what did they do? They changed the way people saw religion. They changed the way people related to God. They changed the way people viewed politics. And they changed the way people related one to another through personal relationships. They changed it. They changed the world. Like I said, they lacked every modern advantage. They didn't have mass media. They didn't have computers. They didn't have satellites. And they didn't have all kinds of technologies. They didn't have stadium rallies. They didn't have the ability to publish their material or the financial resources to build huge, beautiful cathedrals. But they did have the power of the Holy Spirit. They had God's anointing power in their lives. The transforming power of the promise of God. The baptism of the Holy Spirit, Jesus calls it. The Holy Spirit becomes the second distinctive of the early church. The second distinctive. Remember, the one was Jesus-focused. The second distinctive is the Holy Spirit. Jesus told them to wait. Wait until they experience the Holy Spirit firsthand. Wait for the power that I've called you to do the work. You cannot do the work until you wait for it. Don't go out on your own power. Don't go out on your own power. Wait for the power of the Holy Spirit, he said. There's another thing that made these people special. There's something really neat that made these people special. Even though they might not have understood what Jesus said to them. Even though they were being afraid of being found out as they hid, they thought they were going to be exposed to the Jews. They might even be put in prison or they might even die. They obeyed God. They waited. They obeyed the master's command, and they waited as God had told them to do. And guess what? They waited in Jerusalem, no less, the same city where Christ was crucified. They waited there for 10 long days. They waited. They waited there for 10 days for the promise of the Father to come. They had no idea what it was going to look like. They had absolutely no idea what it was going to look like. But we're going to find out what they did during those 10 days. They were of one accord. They were of one mind. They were like-minded probably spent the entire time praying, fasting, seeking the Lord. That's all they did for 10 days. What a retreat that must have been. What a wonderful time that must have been. They call this Pentecost, 50 days after Jesus' resurrection, the day of Pentecost. We're going to study about it when we get to chapter 2. Jesus commanded the disciples to wait for the Holy Spirit of promise, the Holy Spirit of promise that would come upon them with power. This was like I said, this was the first time it ever happened, but it's been happening ever since. All through the book of Acts, throughout history of the church, of the modern church, we see men, we see women doing extraordinary acts, being missionaries, being called to die for their faith, being martyred into the kingdom. We see People after people, witnessing of Jesus Christ, we see thousands upon thousands of people being saved. Why? Because the same Holy Spirit that fell upon them during that time is available for us today. The same Holy Spirit can change our lives, can make us into different Christians, different people that will change our lives. Remember, this is a continuing story. It didn't happen at the end of Acts. It's a continuing story. It's a continuing story that we're, the book of Acts is being written even today in the little church right here in Cape May. It's being written, the book of Acts, it's a continuation. So whether you call it the baptism of the Holy Spirit, being filled with the Holy Spirit or the baptism with the Holy Spirit, don't matter. What's important is that this is a true issue of being baptized with God's Spirit, of being filled to the full with Him and His power over and over again. And over again, Paul says, Be ye being filled, which means it's a continually filling. And if you take a glass of water and you pour water in it, it'll come all the way up to the top. And then all of a sudden, what happens? You keep pouring it in there, it never goes back down, it just stays at the top, and the water comes off. That's your life as a Christian with the Holy Spirit in it. You're filled, but then you're overflowing constantly overflowing with that Spirit and it's touching the heart of your loved ones. It's touching the heart of your husband, your wife. It's touching the heart of your kids. It's touching the heart of your mom, your dad, your relatives. It's touching the heart of everybody you come in contact with because once the Holy Spirit is released like that, you can't stop it and you don't want to stop it. You don't want to stop God's Spirit from working in the lives of the people you love so dearly. You want them to be saved. You want them to come into a relationship with Jesus Christ. You can't do it. You can't save them. I wish it was that easy. You can't save them. Holy Spirit fell. My own experience, I've seen a major difference in my life. Major difference in my Christian walk. Major difference since I've been filled with the Holy Spirit. My life has drastically changed. I've become stronger, bolder witness for Christ. We went to the rapid response training a week ago. What a wonderful time it was. We sat before the Lord. We were trained these wonderful things. Now, I had been deployed several times. I had been to Katrina. Even with Bob, we went to Katrina. And we ministered down there. My wife and I went out to Columbus, Indiana, and we ministered out there after a flood. But you know what? One thing that really hit me when we were at that training last week is that we have crisis in our lives every single day. There are crises that happen, and people need God's help right here right now in Cape May. We don't have to wait for anything major to happen, praise God. We can do it right now. I think it was Friday. We were sitting at breakfast table and we were praying, and I said, "Lord open up something today. I just really feel like you want to do something today. Lord, open up something. Give us an opportunity to show your love. Lord, we don't know what it is, but we're ready. We're willing to do whatever you would have us do today. Show us. Well, we go about our daily way, and one of the things we have to do usually is come up and check our mailbox. The church post office box is located here in North Cape May Shopping Center. We came up here, and as I parked, I noticed something strange. There was this west side meat truck, and it had pulled out like this, and there was a car sitting right there. And I went, that's awful strange. There was an elderly lady sitting in the car. I got out of the car because I was going to check the mailbox. And as I was walking by, I zoomed into this picture, and there she was, and she had that look. And I went, ooh. And I... Walked back, and I went over to her, and I said, how you holding up in here? Oh, you know what, I've had an accident. I said, yeah, how you feeling? Are you hurt? And we had this great conversation. So if I, I talked to her, and I, I just made, made sure she was okay. And I said, you know what, I really feel I need to pray for you. Can I pray with you? Oh, I'd love it if you pray with me. Please, pray with me. I, I, I'm so worried. So I got a chance to pray with her. So I left her, and I went in and checked my mailbox, and I came out, and she was still sitting there, and the spirit says, "Go." Oh. I thought, okay. So I walked over to her, and I said, what can I do? I said, I really feel the need. I said, I can't leave you here. I said, I really feel bad. I said, would you like me to sit here? Oh, no, no, please. It's okay. I said, well, there's got to be somebody. Can I call your husband, your kids? What can I do for you? She goes, well, you know, my dear friend works over in Sturdy Savings. I said, you mean that Sturdy Savings right across the street? She goes, yeah. She goes, she's my bestest friend. I said, I'll tell you what, I'll go get her. Would you do that? I said, absolutely. No problem. I'm going to go get her. Went across the street, walked in there, asked for this lady by name. I said, your best friend is over here. Yeah, yeah. She had a car accident. Oh, my She's okay. Oh, took off. Boom, she comes over. And I put them together, and they were able to be together, and I helped this lady. And I walked away, and I tell you, like, thank you, Lord. It was so cool. On a normal day, I wouldn't have given any thought I'd walk by that lady in a heartbeat. I would hope that I would stop and say, but, I mean, it was the power of the Holy Spirit. It was the power of the Holy Spirit nudging me and saying, this is what we do today, Dave. You prayed for this. Remember, I'm answering your prayer. Praise God. I didn't lead her to the Lord. We talked a little bit about I didn't lead her to the Lord. I don't have to. I witnessed God's love to her in her time of need. In the time that she needed it the most, God's love was there. It just happened to take the form of this bumbling idiot. But God's love was there in front of her, and she saw it. Remember last week I said people need to see Jesus with flesh on it. They need that in their lives. They need to know somebody cares about them. You can't do that without the Holy Spirit. It can't happen without God's Holy Spirit in your life. This is a wonderful promise to all who call upon the name of the Lord, that you will be filled with this Holy Spirit. The promise that says in Peter, when he said to the day of Pentecost, he said to those who are listening, he said, repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of sins. So I guess the only requirement to receive this baptism of the Holy Spirit is what? Salvation. So that's the first required. Keep that in the back of your head. Then he said, for this promise is to you and to your children and all who are afar off, as many as the Lord will call. This is a wonderful promise for everyone who will call upon the name of the Lord. Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord is saved. This is an experience for all believers, not just a small few. This is for all believers. But sadly, not all believers know this experience, mostly due to the traditional teachings that they've received on this topic. From a biblical standpoint, one must look at the facts of Scripture, We have to look at facts of Scripture and back it up, and you have to be willing to accept whatever God is clearly telling you through the Word of God. If this is a biblical experience that's available today, then you have to ask yourself, Lord, why wouldn't I want it? If the Lord wants you to have it, why wouldn't I want it? Well, it's going to make me run around and do crazy things. No, it's not. It's not. You still have control over you. These people running around doing things, though well, the Spirit maybe did it. Well, the Spirit might have made you do it, but I don't know what Spirit it was. The person who has the Spirit still has control. You may have a one or you four experience with the Spirit of God, but you're going to be the witnesses of Christ. Doing some of the things that are being out there right now that give the Holy Spirit a bad name are not witnessing Jesus Christ. It's scaring people from Jesus Christ. We have to do what's biblical, folks. We have to look at the, biblic, uh, the biblical concept here, and we should want it. There's a phrase that I learned from my previous pastor that this might explain some of the things and some of my positions on the subject, especially in issues of the Holy Spirit and the things that are happening around here. In fact, this applies to any biblical or non-biblical issue, and it goes like this. This is what the phrase is. If you can't read it, you don't need it. If you read it, you must heed it. What does that mean? That means if it's not written in the Scriptures... You can talk about it, and you can surmise and kind of guess what it might be, but if it's written in Scriptures, it's there for a reason, and you need to learn it, and you need to do what it says. That's what that means. If you can't read it, you don't need it. The Scriptures are not silent when it comes to the issue of the Holy Spirit. I want to have the biblical experience that will benefit and bless my life and the lives of those that are around me. I'm greedy when it comes to God. I admit, I'm greedy when it comes to God. You know why? I want everything he has for me. I don't want to miss one thing. I don't want to get in heaven and be the one that he shows that great big room and said, look at all these presents I wanted to give you, but you never ask. What? I want them now. Lord, if you want me to have it, I want it. Give it to me now. Why? So I can be a better witness for you. So I can give you glory. Dave doesn't want the glory. I want to give Jesus the glory. Jesus is the one I wanted to see lifted up in this place, not Dave. But John writes of this experience of the Holy Spirit in his gospel. He says, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture says, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit has not yet been given, because Christ wasn't glorified. John 7, 37-39. These verses describe The life of a believer under the power of the Holy Spirit rivers, and the actual definition here is torrents, torrents of living water flowing from your life. The person who has this kind of relationship with the Holy Spirit will have no question that they've been filled with the Holy Spirit. It doesn't describe your experience. If this doesn't describe your experience with the Holy Spirit, you might consider asking God for that baptism today. just might get to that. In Luke 11, 9 through 13, Jesus gives us an example of the way to receive the power of God. Because you might be thinking to yourself, how do we receive this? How do we receive this power of God? Quite simple. In Luke 11, verses 9 to 13, Jesus says, So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? The simplest way to receive the Holy Spirit is to ask God. We need to simply pray and believe by faith, and we can have the promise of the Father. He said, and you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit, he said in Acts 5. And this baptism means to be totally submerged with the Holy Spirit. A couple of weeks ago, we took Jim, took him down to the ocean, and Jim said, I want to be baptized. We took him in there, and we put him under there, and we pulled him back. He was completely immersed, and he came out a brand new creature in Jesus Christ. Brand new creature. This is what we get when the Holy Spirit comes upon us. We are baptized. We're submerged completely in the Holy Spirit. It's not a physical baptism. I'm not going to re-baptize anybody. We're not going to throw water at you. No, none of that's going to happen. It just simply means that when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, there's going to be a change in your life. Take a shirt, one of those white, beautiful T-shirts, and you have a bucket of dye here. And you take, and you dip it in the dye, and you pick it back up. The appearance has changed, hasn't it? That's what he's talking about. It's a changing experience with the Holy Spirit, a changing time when the Holy Spirit is baptized. You'll be changed forever. John the Baptist called this the baptism of the Holy Spirit and fire in Matthew 3.11. The fire is significant to our study because the fire has many purposes. We are told that our God is a consuming fire in Hebrews 12.29. God wants to consume all that is not fruitful and all that is not good in your life. He wants to get rid of it. Everything that's useless, he wants to get rid of it out of your life and put nothing but great thoughts, great things in your life. He wants to get rid of all the bad and put nothing but good. We said this was a process, but this is a process that the Holy Spirit does. He purifies our lives. He burns out the filth. He burns out the flesh. He makes us powerful for Jesus. A fire can bring purification and power and warmth when it's under control. In the same way, a forest fire serves a purpose by purging the forest so that new life can grow. I mean, in days when they had plenty of rain and there are no forest fires, they actually set fires and have control burns so that the forest will regenerate. In closing, Jesus is the head of the church. He's our focus and we are his body. The Holy Spirit is the distinctive of the early church and it should be a distinctive of this church as well. The Holy Spirit provides the power for the body of Christ. It's the legs, so to speak. It gives us the legs to move. It's the spring of life for the church. Zacharias said in his wonderful, wonderful prophetic book, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Jesus told his disciples to wait. Wait for the promise of the Father. There was a reason he said this. So that they could become solid witnesses of Jesus in this world, carrying the gospel message to the ends of the earth. And accomplishing what God wants to do. The good news, ladies and gentlemen, is we don't have to wait. This experience is available to you today. Today. By the Spirit of God. By God Almighty wants you to experience this time of renewal. This time of fellowship with Him. We don't have to wait for this to happen. There are two things that have to happen. Number one, are you saved? Because it's useless without being saved. That's the first thing that has to happen So, are you saved? The second thing that has to happen is just asking God to come into our lives, asking God to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If you don't want us to use that word, baptized, if you're scared about it, say, I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Ask God to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You are a sure hope.
0: Thank you for joining us here today on A Sure Hope. In this series, Pastor Dave has been teaching through the book of Acts. This book follows the journeys of many disciples, but especially of the Apostle Paul. He took several missionary trips to tell others about Jesus, and he acquired many companions along the way. Wouldn't it be interesting to be a traveling missionary? He met many people who readily accepted the message he was bringing. In other cities, his life was threatened and he was pushed out, as people didn't want to hear about the way. But being a Christian isn't meant to just be an easy road. As Paul's life displayed, you go into it knowing that there will be obstacles that you face. Is it worth it, you might ask? Of course it is. The prize that you'll be rewarded is far more precious than the things of this world. Staying true to Jesus, who gave up everything for you, is the best way you can live your life for Him. We're so glad we got to spend time with you today. A Sure Hope is a ministry out of Calvary Chapel, Cape May, in Cape May, New Jersey. If you're in the area, we'd love to see you on Sunday mornings. Check out assurehoperadio.com for service times and directions. Once again, that's assurehoperadio.com. And don't worry if you can't make it in person. On the website, you'll notice links to our live stream via Facebook and YouTube. All of these can be accessed through assurehoperadio.com. Don't forget to come back next time as Pastor Dave continues to go through the book of Acts again right here on Assure Hope.